message I title, Refuse to be afraid. Refuse to be afraid. Like I said, there's a lot of fear going around lately because of what's happening. And everyone is talking about it from Wall Street to Main Street. That's what people are talking about now. And people are concerned about their retirement. They are concerned about their job. They are concerned about people being laid off. But I'm saying to you as a child of God, refuse to be afraid. Because if you become afraid and you look into what the report is in the world, that will be your lot. But if you trust in the Lord with all of your heart, then you don't have to partake of what's going on around us right now. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, the word of God says, Then God blessed them. Say with me, God blessed me. Yes, you are blessed of God. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That word in the traditional King James says, over every creeping thing that moves on the earth. That includes Satan. He is a creep. He creeps on the earth. Amen. Amen. So have dominion over the birds, over the sea, over the economy, over everything that's on the earth. Have dominion, subdue the earth. Now, look at what the scripture says here. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And what most Christians think about when they hear the word be fruitful and multiply, all they are thinking is babies, babies, babies. Let's have babies. That's not all that he's talking about. That's part of it. But notice what he said. Be fruitful. That means be prosperous. After you are prosperous and you can take care of babies, then have babies. Amen. Be fruitful and multiply. Then as you multiply, because you are fruitful, then you cover the earth, fill the earth with prosperity. Amen. And with your children, the prosperous children. And then you subdue them. Amen. Amen. And have dominion. Have dominion. Have dominion. Subdue them. <laughs> oh, you all be quiet. <laughs> have dominion over all oh, the creeping things. You know, Satan is creeping a lot right now, creeping with fear. And concerns about your retirement, about how we take care of your family, and all the report coming. There's going to be a lot of uh, laying off in jobs. They're going to lay off people. And you say, "Is our company planning to lay off people?" You don't need to be talking that way. Amen. Amen. Someone will say, "Well, that was what God said to Adam and Eve before the fall." It was before the fall. We lost that. That means God was telling Adam, rain on the earth. Rain on the earth. Rule over the earth. Do we have that today? Now, when Jesus came to the world, 
He came to restore what Adam lost in the garden. I mean, you can never lose sight of the picture of when Adam and Eve were tested, you know, tried in the, in the garden, remember? And then you see Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. The same temptation, that was the first Adam, and then you have the second Adam, right? The same temptation, one fell and lost everything, and the other didn't fall, he won and gained everything. And even angels showed up to say, ah, we're happy, you got through this. Now, good, will come to man. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 verse 17, it says, For if by the one man's offense... Death reigned through the one man's offense. Just one man. That was then. Death reigned. And death is still reigning in the world. But not in the church. Death is reigning in the world. Among the children of the world. Not God's people. That was then for God's people. But when you become born again and you receive the life of God, you are in a different family, a different kingdom. By one man's offense. It was just one man's offense that brought all of this to bear. He says, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness through this one other one who obeyed God will what reign in life. Not until you get to heaven, where are we supposed to reign? Here. And that's the word of God. Reign in this life. Through one, that's Jesus who was obedient. So what is that saying to us? We are back to where Adam was. We can reign. Amen? Amen? We can reign. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is? Spirit. You were born of the Father. You have the Father's DNA. You are part of His family. I said in Sunday school this morning, uh, of course, I need some of you to be attending Sunday school. You need that. But I said in Sunday school this morning, If you are born into a family and you don't look like uncle, you don't look like mommy, you don't look like daddy, you don't look like anybody in the family, people begin to wonder, where, where did you get this fellow? Was he adopted? Where did he come from? I mean, he doesn't look like, where is his blue eyes coming from? We don't have anybody like that in this family, right? Amen? We become suspicious. And rightly so. Well, if you are born into God's family, how come you don't have any of his ways, huh? (laughs) We reign in life. Amen? We reign in life. We reign through him in life. That's what the Bible tells us. Jesus brought that to us. Now, let me let you know this. This is the right time for fruitfulness. When things are bad. Then the condition is ripe for fruitfulness. You know what that means? Prosperity for the saints. This is the way God does his things. 
That's why we want to fast and connect. What we are fasting to do is to say, God, we are connecting to this fruitfulness in the time of famine. In the Old Testament, and the Bible says, in the mount of two or three witnesses, let the matter be established. Whenever there is famine, God's people will prosper. That's the way it's been. Whenever things go down for the people of God, where they live, for the people around them, things go up for the children of God. It's a principle in the word of God. You need to recognize it and begin to plan. If you're thinking about starting a business and say, well, I'm not going to do it now because the economy is down. No, the economy is down, but the kingdom of God is not down. Go ahead. Believe me, it is the right time to start your new business. If you are afraid to do it, this is the right time to do it. Because when they are down and there is famine in the land, that is when to sow for a great increase. And I'll show you it from the word of God. It's not a time to fear. It's not a time to be worried. It's not a time to take short corners. If you, you be wise. We're not saying just, okay, well, God is going to take care of me. I'll just keep driving all around town. If you have to drive around town, drive. But if you don't have to, be wise. You're not, we're not saying be foolish. But don't do, don't cut corners because you are afraid. Don't do things because out of fear. Because if I don't, if I do it this way, I'll lose. Like I heard, I'm not going to go to church, to this meeting because I just want to save some gas. He's, if he has something to do with God and you cut it off because you're trying to save, guess what you've done? You've locked into the other kingdom. And you reap what's going on there. I won't do that. My wife knows that. I don't even think about it. Now, I still look for places where they sell cheaper gas, okay? <laughs> I save a little money, right? But to be worried about it, no. Because it's a time for increase, amen? Whenever it becomes hard for the land, while you are praying for God to heal the land, amen? It's your time for increase. Let me show you from the word of God. You remember when there was famine after God called Abraham in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 12? God said, come out from the land. And then there was a severe famine in the land. And Abraham went to Egypt. When God called him, God said, when you, if you leave, I will bless you and you will become blessed. You will become a blessing. So he wasn't very rich after God called him. And right after God called him, you will expect everything to be rosy. Fine, no famine, right? Immediately there was famine. And Abraham, where Abraham, that's, that was his name, he went into Egypt because there was substance in Egypt. Notice what happened during that time of famine. He went in there not having much. He stayed in the land until the end of the, of, of the famine period. But when he left Egypt, guess what? He was very rich. He got rich during the time of famine. And he didn't work for it. It was given to him. Just by being a man of God. <laughs> Just by being a man of God. Sit, uh, uh, sit and I said that's Pharaoh <laughs> yeah he represents Satan you can have it let me read this to you Genesis chapter 12 verse 10 now there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land now Genesis 13 
12 is gone. Genesis 13. Famine is over. Genesis 13 verse 1 and 2. Then Abraham went up from Egypt. So he's coming out of Egypt after the famine. He said he and his wife and all that he had. And Lot with him, that's his nephew. To the south. Guess the next verse. Abraham was what? Very rich. Not rich. I said very rich. He got rich during the time of famine. Amen. Amen. And who is the father of faith? And what have, you, what have we? The blessings of Abraham. We have the blessing of Abraham. That's why I'm saying refuse to be afraid during these times. It was not just Abraham. It also happened to Isaac, his son. You know, you know some things are baffling because you, you read about Abraham, it seems like Abraham had a lot. He had a lot of stuff. And you think Isaac would just become very rich, right? But the Bible doesn't tell us that. Isaac was in a land with Abimelech as a stranger, and then there was a severe famine. I'm sure he lost a good bit of what he had during that period. There was famine in the land. And Isaac started thinking, boy, I can stay here. I'm going to go to Egypt. That's where my father went (laughs) when there was famine. I'm going to Egypt. And God said, no, 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 you're not going to Egypt. I want you to stay in the land where there is famine. Makes sense? Sometimes the ways of God don't make sense to us. We just have to obey. God said, stay in this land. And then Isaac had to do something he had to sow during the time of famine. Now, this is when you begin to prosper. This is when the time is right for you to prosper. Now, look, I read in Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 and 13. Then Isaac sowed in that land, the land that God said, don't move, stay in this place, don't go anywhere. Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year, that same year of famine. Guess what? A hundredfold. God made him rich. In the midst of famine, everybody was wasting away and Isaac was getting rich. And look at what happened. And the Lord blessed him. So it wasn't his own doing. It was God that blessed him. And then the scripture tells us, the man, Isaac, began to what? Prosper. That means he was not prospering until he sowed during the time of famine. Is that not what it means? He began. That means he wasn't prospering before, right? You agree with me? He started to prosper when he sowed during the time of famine. That's when his prosperity began, during the time of famine. The man reaped a hundredfold. He began to prosper and continued prospering, according to the scriptures, until he became very prosperous. Amen. We read these things and we just go, oh, that was very nice for Isaac. Why did God write this for us? For us to learn that this is the way he works. Amen? It's the time to rejoice. Hey, there is trouble in the land. He's going, I'm going to have a great business. And your friends will say, you're nuts. 
Where are you going to get the money? I don't care. I'm going to be wealthy now. It's a time of famine, and I'm going to be rich. It doesn't make sense, but when God is through with it, they will remember, ah, he used to say this crazy stuff, and God is doing it for him. Where do you go to church, fellow? They want to come to your church. They want to see what is, what is that thing that you got that brought this into your life. So you can become very prosperous. The greatest problem we have as believers is we are always questioning, can I really have faith for this during this difficult time? Hmm? Can I truly believe God if I step out? Will God not disappoint me and things happen to me and, and then people begin to laugh at me? That I said all these great things and nothing happened. Now they are, you're selling your house. And then let me let you know this about this God that we serve. If you brag on the Lord, he'll never let you down. Amen. Amen. You know why ministers, when they go to a crusade campaign and they, those who believe in healing, they are never worried? Because they go there, they brag on the Lord, and they know he's not going to disappoint his name. They know somebody's going to be healed. Amen. Amen. And he, he's never failed. If you brag on him, he'll never fail you. And even if it seems like he's failing you, watch out. Something bigger is coming. Amen. That's just the God. We have to know the ways of the Lord. We have to learn. The key thing is we wonder, would I, do I have faith enough to believe God for this? Let me let you know this. The question is not whether you have faith enough. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have enough faith to do these things I'm talking about. You already have enough. There can be no greater faith than the faith that brought you salvation. No greater faith. There can be no greater faith. You have that if you save. You have faith. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, be removed. That's all you need. And that faith that brought you salvation is greater than the faith that moves a mountain. That, that was a great mountain. <laughs> that brought you salvation. So you have faith. The question is not whether you have faith. The question is whether you will allow into your faith what the Bible calls unbelief. Amen. How can you have faith and have unbelief at the same time? Because you allowed it. The key is unbelief. And I'm going to show you in the word of God. The key is unbelief. You know the evidence of unbelief? Do you want to know the evidence of unbelief? Well, well, I'm glad you asked anyway, so I'm going to tell you whether you like it or not. <laughs> the evidence of unbelief, fear. Once you have fear, you have stepped into unbelief. And usually if unbelief comes by what you hear, what you see, what you feel... What comes in the mail, what the people are talking about, all of a sudden, you're afraid. It's not like you don't have faith, 
you allowed unbelief, you're no longer leaning on God's word, you're leaning on your understanding and what you have heard, the things that you can see, the things you can feel, you've moved away from the word of God into the area of what you know and understand in the natural. And once that happens, unbelief comes in and then fear. Fear is just the evidence that there is unbelief there. And I'll show you from the word of God. But if you will refuse to fear, <laughs> you're going all the way. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Satan wanted to give them unbelief. They had a lot of faith that God would deliver. They knew about the fiery furnace before they were brought before the king. And they believed that God was able to deliver them from that fiery furnace and they refused to bow. The king heard about it. And then the, the king, I call the king, the devil, wanted to give them a, a, a privilege to entertain, entertain unbelief. So the king says, I'm going to give you one more time. You see that fire over there? <laughs> now it's something they can see. Before they were outside, right? But now they were right there and the fire, the furnace was right there. And he says, I'm going to give you another opportunity. Who is that God that is going to deliver you? from my hands and they will not listen they told him we are not careful to answer you in this matter we are not taking that unbelief they replied our God is able to deliver us and will deliver us and even if he doesn't deliver us we don't care they were not afraid that means they didn't receive unbelief and they didn't burn when you receive unbelief and fear, guess what? You burn. You burn with the rest of them. So the key is not to be afraid. That's why I titled this message, Refuse to Fear. And you lock into that by fasting tomorrow, fasting and praying for our church, fasting and praying for the families of our church, and praying for the growth of God's work and for your prosperity. To multiply, to be fruitful and multiply, and to subdue the earth. Unbelief. In Matthew 17, verse 20, the, Jesus was talking to his disciples. And his disciples said, why couldn't we cast out the devil? They says, because of your unbelief. For shortly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. What kind of faith do you need for everything to be possible for you? Mustard seed faith. You know, the disciples in Luke 17 prayed a prayer that Jesus didn't answer. Jesus was saying to them in Luke 17, he said, if your brother offends you, and he comes back to you and says, I repent, he says, forgive him. He said, then he continued, if your brother offends you seven times in one day, 
And seven times in one day, he returns back to you saying, forgive me. His, Jesus said, you must forgive your brother. And the disciples responded, Lord, increase our faith. We need enough faith to be able to forgive our brother seven times in one day. And then Jesus replied, he didn't answer that prayer. He said, if you have faith, say mustard seed. You can say to this mulberry tree, be moved into the sea and it will happen to you. That's all you need. But once you entertain fear, you've already had received unbelief and God will not walk, you will sink. Let me share this, the story of Peter with you. Remember, Jesus preached to a multitude, fed the multitude with five loaves of bread, and they saw this great miracle. And after the miracle, he said, now, I want you all to get in the boat and go to the other side. And he dispatched them. He didn't get in the boat. And then he turned around and he went out to pray. And then about, the, about 10 o'clock in the night, he started walking to the disciples in the sea. And they were in the sea, and the disciples saw him in the sea. They became very afraid, and they said, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. And Jesus said, no, it's not, it's me. Just me. And uh, the disciple, uh, Peter then responded in, in just uh, Matthew 14, verse 28. He says, Peter answered and said to, to the Lord, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. If you are the one speaking and you are the one walking on water, I want you to command me to come to you walking on water. That's kind of unusual. Now he knew he was going to walk on water and he was asking for permission from the Lord. Give me that commandment. If it's you, let me know and then command me to come walking to you on the water. So Peter knew he was going to walk on water if Jesus gave him permission, right? He wasn't out of his mind. He knew what he was doing. And all he needed was Jesus to say, yeah, come. And Jesus said, okay, come. And instantly he stepped out of the boat and began to walk on water. Notice what he didn't do, which is some of us like to do. <laughs> Testing the water to see if it will hold his weight. He didn't do that. He just jumped into it. And the water held his weight. Now, we don't know how he said he came out of the boat and he walked towards Jesus. We don't know how long he walked. We don't know how far he walked on water. But he was walking on water. Would you say he didn't have faith? Huh? If you say he didn't have enough faith, you walk on water, let me see. <laughs> he walked on water. He had enough faith. So what happened to him? Let's read. It says, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So he was walking on the water to go to Jesus. But, but, that's very important, but, when he saw, he was walking on the water before he saw, right? Right? 
He was already operating on faith, walking on water. Then he saw things in the natural. And that's what we like to do. We look at things the way what the stock market is saying. Oh, it's happening to my retirement now. And all of that. He saw the wind, was boisterous, and he was afraid. What was he? He was afraid. What's the evidence of that? Unbelief. He was afraid. That's fear. But why did he fear? Because there was already unbelief. Jesus tells us that. He was afraid. Why did he become afraid? Because of the evidence that he saw in the natural, right? That's what made him to be afraid. So what is the lesson here? Don't look to what you are seeing in the natural. Look to God who said he will prosper you, who has already blessed you, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. And that's his word, his commandment to us. It says, but when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. Notice he began to sink the moment he took in fear, right? He was walking, and then as soon as he accepted fear, he began to sink. That is why if you read in the scriptures, many times Jesus will say, be not afraid, only believe. Remember that? Jairus, the daughter, they were going to raise the daughter up and somebody said your daughter is already dead and Jesus looked to him and said don't be afraid only believe you don't want to entertain fear in your life it says immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him oh you of little faith little faith the guy was walking on water little faith If you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, right? Little faith. Why was it little faith? He only had faith to last him enough before he doubted. See? Before he allowed fear to come in. Jesus said, oh ye of little faith, why did you doubt? He allowed unbelief. He had faith... But then he allowed unbelief, and he became afraid, he sank. We walk by faith, and what? And not by sight. We're not supposed to look at the things that we see with our eyes. We're supposed to just focus on what God says, not what's going on with the economy, not what's going on in the land. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to postpone this project that I have till next year, till the economy gets better. You may miss out on God totally. This is the time. This is when God is calling. We are to reign. How do you reign? How does a king reign? By moving everything around and screaming and yelling and walking in the place, going back and forth. No. The king thinks about what he's going to do, right? He's already a king, right? He thinks about what he's going to do. Makes his decision in his bedroom. He's still the king, right? While he's trying to make his decision. But nothing is happening while he's still thinking about what to do, right? And then he comes out, he's made up his mind, and he says, Hey, this is what we are going to do. We are going to go over that little land, and we're going to kill everybody, and we're going to destroy the place. It comes out of his mouth, and guess what happens? 
things begin to move, right? The generals begin to move here. The king has said to go do this. And guess what? Guess what? That land is no more. If they have the power to do it, that land is no more. Unless the king changes his mind. They finished. How did he do that? By the word of his mouth. The same way you, God has made you kings and priests unto God. You're a king. You're a priest. You're a queen. Amen. Your word is powerful, right? You don't have to move anything. You just command, right? That's how you subdue the earth. You command and dream about what you want. I'm not going to lock into that economy. This is what I want. That's how God works in our life. We need to lock into that and let God move. And never allow fear. Fear is a spirit. Do you know that? Fear is a spirit. And the spirit will work. If you allow fear, that spirit of fear will attract something into your life. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He, we, are, we have not received the spirit of bondage to fear. If you are afraid, you have a spirit of bondage. You're bound. That means you can't do anything. You're trapped. And 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, you, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Your mind is sound. You can reason out things. Fear is a spirit. God has not given us the spirit of fear. So fear is a spirit. And if fear is a spirit, I believe that that spirit is of the devil. Because what it brings to you is evil, always evil. The thief does not come but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you may have life and to have it more abundantly. So fear is a spirit, and that spirit is the spirit of the devil. And you can walk with fear, or you can walk with faith. Faith and fear are alike, but opposite. They both attract what you are believing for, or what you are afraid of. They both do the same thing. If you are afraid, you connect yourself to whatever you are afraid of is coming to you. Is coming to you. If you are afraid of breast cancer because he runs in the family. I remember the story I heard. This lady, whenever, whenever a member of their family gets to a bay about, about 40, they, 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 if it's a female, they have, a breast, they have breast cancer. And when she was getting close to 40, she was already preparing herself for breast cancer, right? And guess what? She got it. She was afraid of it. It was going to come. What you are afraid of is going to come to you. The fear will connect you to that thing that you are afraid of. And your faith will connect you to what you really want from, the God, from, the, from our Lord. The Bible tells us, it tells us in um, Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not 
seen. Now fear is the substance of things not hoped for. Amen. You don't want it. But when you are afraid of, it is, you have already given it, if you are afraid of it, you've already given it substance. Fear is the substance of things not hoped for. Fear is the substance of things that you don't want. Things not hoped for. And is the evidence of things seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? Now, let me put it in the reverse. Without fear, it is impossible to please the devil. <laughs> Amen. If you have no fear, Satan cannot touch you. He cannot. That's why he couldn't touch Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not afraid. That's why in, in, the, in, in the battle, the children of Israel were so afraid of Goliath, right? Goliath could have killed all of them. But there was one little boy who was not afraid of Goliath. I know his brother was saying to him, ah, I know you, you, you're just nothing. You just come here to see the battle. I'm sure at the same time he was talking to David and rebuking David for coming to battle. If he had heard while he was still speaking to David, the voice of Goliath behind him saying, I mean, I'm sure he will take off from David. And David would be standing there looking at Goliath. I'm going to kill you. But the brother was running. Fear. But David was not afraid. Fear will connect you to whatever you are afraid of. It's a spirit. That's why Job said this. Job 3 verse 25. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded has happened to me. That's a principle. What you dread is coming your way. He was a righteous man, wasn't he? He was holy before God, wasn't he? But what happened to him, what he dreaded the most, what he dreamed and was scared of at night, he said, read for that, he said, I was never at rest. He was holy, and while he was being afraid, what he didn't know, God had put a hedge around him. Remember, God said that. He couldn't see it. Why would he be afraid? His fear took it off. And God allowed it. Once you fear, the battle is over. But if you refuse to fear, if you are knocked down, you still stand up. I'm going to get you. And sometimes when they knock you down, you get even madder. You get up and say, I'm going to, you can't do that to me. I'm, going, I'm coming after you right now. It is over. How dare you knock me down? But when you are afraid, a little, a little brush on your back, and you just feel, I'm so hurt, I can't get up, because it's better to stay down here than to face whatever is coming. But if you have faith, you stand up, ready to fight. That is why we must resist the enemy. We must resist fear. Philippians 1.28 tells us, And in no way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you salvation 
and that from God. What is this talking about? Remember this, that Jesus paralyzed, destroyed Satan on the cross. And guess who was there according to the scriptures? You were there. We were crucified with him. Basically, in the mind of God, you saw Satan's defeat while you were on the cross with the Lord, right? We were crucified with him. And the Bible is saying, you saw that when you refused to be terrified by Satan, regardless of what he's doing. You are basically letting him know that you were there when he was destroyed. He said here, not to be terrified by your adversaries, which is to them, to your adversary, to Satan, a proof of their defeat. When you refuse to fear, he knows that you know he has been defeated. And he has no room in your life. But when you fear, he knows. My people perish for what? For lack of knowledge. The only reason you're afraid, you didn't know, you have no knowledge of the truth. That's why the Bible tells us in James 4, 7, Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. When you stand and you are not terrified by him, then the reverse takes place. He becomes terrified of you because you know the truth that he has been defeated. And then the next thing to do is, hey! And then he takes off. Resist the devil and what? He'll flee from you. Act like you are coming after him and he says, I'm gone. I don't want to be bothered. He see, he's defeated. And when we talk about the, the defeat of Satan, we're not talking about, you know, just spiritual things that has to do with material things. Your family. Your children. Your inheritance, your finances, your bank account. Nothing must happen to you that is negative. All things work together for good. Even what is happening in the economy right now is working for your good. While they are going down, you are increasing. And as you begin to brag on the Lord that God is taking care of you, you are being fruitful, you go to work, and they are talking about, okay, uh, have you received that letter because you're coming? You're so full of joy, you're happy, singing, glory to God, hallelujah. And the guy said, did you receive that letter? You say, what letter are you talking about? Well, the letter that says uh, they are going to be laying off people. And you say, yeah, I got it. He said, how come you're happy then? He said, the boss didn't hire me, and he cannot fire me. And the guy said, huh? How how do you know that? But you are confident. That's why they they say you, you can smile. A few days later, Everyone is leaving, and they're saying, he asked you, did you get your letter? He said, what letter? He said, everyone is receiving the letter. We are all being laid off. Hey, didn't you receive your letter? He says, I, didn't re- I wasn't expecting any letter, and I didn't receive any letter. He said, really, you didn't? They heard what you said before. 
And they now see that you are not part of that. And after they are gone, they remember what you say. They call you, I'm looking for a job. Could you pray for me? I need you to pray for me. And then you tell them, after you left, the boss came to me. He said, we have a lot of work to do. We have only you here. So uh, your job is going, you're going to be doing a whole lot more. And we're going to increase your salary $10 an hour more. And then you tell them, amen. That's what happened to me. When the people are going down, that is the time to begin to think. Increase is coming your way. And join me this tomorrow, fasting and praying. And trusting God for your prosperity. Refuse to fear. This is an opportunity for you. Don't change your behavior. Be wise, but don't change. Don't stop coming to church. Oh, I'm not going to go to that meeting because I want to save on gas. You're locked into fear. Do what is right. Would you stand up with me this morning? Amen. (laughs) God has said to us he will be with us to the end of the age if you are not sure of your place with the Lord especially in these difficult times you need to make that sure that means you put things aside that are hindering your walk with God And many of you know there are things that you don't want in your life because you want to draw closer to God. And you will be bold before God today. You're making a commitment to Him, not to man. You say, I'm going to go after God with all of my heart. I'm not going to put these things aside. Let me see your hand up. You want to go after God. Thank you very much. You want to go after God. And you want to let go of fear. Especially if today... You are already afraid because of what is happening. This is a day for you to repent because you have locked into the wrong place. If you've already modified what you do because of fear, because of what you're hearing in the land, you need to repent today. Remember, you are an ambassador for Christ. He is with you. Amen. Would you raise your hands up to the Lord this morning? Father, we thank you. We love you, Jesus. We give you praise. We call you our shepherd. Would you say with me, the Lord, say, Lord, you are my shepherd. I will not know want. Lord, you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It is well with me. I will never know want, even though... I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will not fear because, Lord, you are with me. Your rod, your word, they are with me. And it will be well with my soul. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God